I just moved a little bit ago, so things are still kind of uh, finding their way. I I do hear there's a little bit of an echo. Is that okay? Can you clean that up later? <laughs> clean it up in post. Because uh, it yes. sounds like you're in a, an ice box or just like a... Oh. Like a glass case of emotion. Sounds well, good. I would I would hate for the audio quality to um you know prevent people from getting what they need to get out of this. Oh yeah, because what we're about to do is we're about to spit some free game. <laughs> That's what I've been calling it now as of late. I think when I started the podcast, I never thought I'd be spitting any type of information to our listeners but like you know everyone comes back saying like oh yeah i learned that i this is what i learned today and i'm like you better not be using me in your college essays or anything like that proper attribution are we started has has this has this begun i'm not i'm not sure what your format is i wasn't sure if this is the uh build rapport section or if we're if we're just in it already we're in it we're in it yeah great we're in it welcome welcome to the pod (laughs) thank you yeah i'm real real happy to be here thank you just looking at you right now you're always in color when i first met up with you you were wearing that vintage gap sweater and that was like the first thing that caught my eye but first it was your face of course but then the sweater followed shortly and i was like wow Elliot is really fashionable and he's like from head to toe. And now looking at you right now, what do we, what do we have on? Well, for those that are listening, I'm wearing a uh, rowing blazers rugby that is blue with a red and yellow stripe. I'm wearing the same Uniqlo jeans that I was wearing when I saw you a couple of days ago. And I'm wearing a pair of socks from Druthers who make really terrific warm socks. So that is no, no shoes in the crib. So that's, that's what we got going on. And let's see if I dig a little deeper, there is a woven belt from Noah that I'm using to hold my pants up. Noah, Noah right now is doing all the licensing collaborations. Uh, Yes, this is, this is not a collab belt. This is, this is just, straight up Noah, but it does a wonderful job Um, for anyone that I'm not sure if this is like a bragging thing to say, it's not meant to sound bragging, Mm -hmm. but um, when you have a small waist, it's very, very difficult to find belts that fit because the ones that use holes often do not go far enough to the right to secure your pants. Basically, you're if if you're less than like a 28 inch waist, yeah, you you're you're just out here. No. And so I was really psyched because this is a woven belt that can be adjusted as needed mm-hmm. to hold your pants up. So, well, that that's that's good to know. The the top being rowing blazers. A friend of mine once said to me, "Isn't or I think it was." Friend and guest of the show, Harry Gassel, isn't it? And also ex Fader art director. He he was like telling me, do, do you think that Rowing Blazers is just like a psyop or like um a, a brand that just like came out of nowhere? That's just like 
committing fraud. Well, that came out of nowhere. That's a very imaginative claim. <laughs> um, I think that they make very nice soft clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to go with you on some of these um, maybe psyop conspiracy theories, but <laughs> I can really not confirm nor deny them. But um, what I can say is that I've been wearing their clothes for a minute and I don't feel as though I'm under any kind of mind control. But <laughs> Perhaps that's because I've been studying metaphysics for the oh. better part of the last 10 years. So perhaps I'm I'm less suggestive to uh, innuendo. Mm-hmm. Um, although I was very open to suggestion when the shirt went on sale. Oh, so yeah. I'm not as strong as I thought because I was like, I must obtain this now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's That's so true. Do you buy a lot of things that's on sale? Because I... I I buy a lot of things on sale. I, I think when we were talking, I don't know when's the last time I ever bought brand new, or you don't remember the last time you've bought anything that's like brand new. I buy a lot of vintage from like a lot of friends that run vintage clothing like companies such as like Intramural Shop or mm-hmm. yeah. I, honestly, you know James Valoria. Even though it's up there, I, it's it's perfectly selected vintage. Every time I go down the Chinatown to their shop, and they also just opened up an LA location, so I won't be able to escape James Valoria. But you know, there's there's a lot of vintage in New York City that's really really good. What's some of the shops that you go to? Yeah, so. Um... I'm kind of fortunate in that I've had the same kind of framework of personal style for probably the past like 12 years. Mm-hmm. So through a certain lens, I'm I'm actually like kind of dated and like very out of vogue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I never went Gorp. I never had a Rick Owens moment. I mean, I've pretty much been wearing for lack of a better term, like, you know, downtown 81 like neo preppy mod clothes for as long as i've i don't know lived in new york and so when it comes to buying vintage i've accumulated so much stuff that i have a relationship with that i've lived with for years that pretty much now it's almost like i just hunt for sport like i i try to get like the most ridiculous deals on ebay like, you know, finding like a raglan sleeve APC sweater for like mm. 25 bucks. Nice. Um, I have total respect. I mean, I've been a long time client and fan of ProCell since pretty much the store opened. I think mm. Ryan and his crew are amazing. Um, when it comes to the stuff that's on offer right now, you know, I, I love like a early 90s chalk line jacket. It's just not particularly what I would wear. Right. And uh, again, you know, I, I like the game of like hyper specific vintage New York stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool if you have a piece from, you know, whatever the Picasso show at the MoMA from like 1993. But I don't really wear any of that stuff. And and so for me, 
you know, what I kind of look for is again, like just like little heaters from L train vintage that like probably no one else wants because it's not like oversized mm -hmm. or logo driven or dramatic. Mm -hmm. It might, it might just be like a, like a very rando, like looking flannel that I think is cut well and is like 20 bucks. So good. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't really entertain the the super high end stuff, but I have a lot of respect for folks that are in the game. I everything you said right there, it's just like that's that's so true, and I think that we should bring it back to to that that point where vintage and you know thrifting was like that, right? Because now when people go like, oh, I went vintage shopping, they were thrifting. It's like in our minds, it's like a high price kind of. Yeah, well, I think that the overarching challenge as a modern day clothing enthusiast is that so much of this new stuff just looks terrible. So you really can't blame people for wanting to kind of dig through the past to find some joints because the things that are being offered up in most stores, I think if you're if you're like legit interested in clothing are are just not super compelling right you know i also like the idea that vintage clothing does have this kind of baked in credibility to it mm -hmm. that i think that's a big reason why people like it is because you're getting something that's already proven to still be valuable 20 30 40 years later you know like when you look at i'm a big polo guy so when you look at all the the Ralph Grail pieces from the nineties, you know, like the ski 92 jackets, uh, all the stuff from like the polo sportsman collection to wear that. Now you're wearing something that 30 years after the fact is still really desirable, really cool, you know? And you kind of can't say that for a lot of things that came out, you know, 10, 15 years ago, because no. they were so like of the moment right. that when that moment passes, it's like, where exactly are you wearing this specific kind of garment to, you know, like what so is the true. occasion? In, what is the occasion in which you're wearing a, you could have fun playing Mad Libs with me here. What is the occasion to which you wear a 2013 I mean, we were talking about public school, so public school. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> very of the time. Of the time. But, and that's fine. Like, I, I think that, you know, people are really snobbish about, you know, things kind of looking dated. But right. I've always liked the fact that you could you could zero in on a photo and say, well, this is how someone south of 14th Street dressed in 1983. Right. right. Which has a very different look than in 1979. Yes. Which has a much different look from 1988. Right. So there's nothing wrong with wearing something that screams 2013. It just depends on, you know, again, if you're referencing it as like a, my clock stopped and I don't care. Mm -hmm. which I think is awesome. Like, I think, I think everyone should pick a time in which their, their style clock just mm -hmm. is like, this is it. And then you just work the rest of your kind of fits around different variations on that theme. Like yeah. I was saying before, 
I, I say with a lot of pride that I, I stopped in 2013, like any, any trend beyond that, I, I never incorporated, I wasn't interested in, and I'm totally cool with just owning that that's, that's where it ends for me. <laughs> it really does. I, I love going to Beacon's Closet and every time I go in there, it kind of reminds me of 2013. That was my 2013 moment. And every time I go, cause like, okay, so do you ever, you, you, you also moved back to New York. You were out for a minute. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and then, but like to certain spots in New York, do you feel like if you go to certain shops that are still around, you're like, Oh, this feels like the, the, the old New York that I like lived in that like oh, yeah. and and beacon's closet is one of those because it's been around for quite some time and that's my moment yeah i would say metropolis metropolis also, I mean, for me, metropolis is a i mean richard is a cool dude he's been in the game since like the early 80s yeah. he has a wild story if you ever get a chance to talk to him but you know that place to me i think has done the best ever job of staying relevant in the vintage game because like when I was his customer coming in from New Jersey in the late nineties, I of course wanted to look like, you know, I was a member of like the specials or something, you yeah, know, nice. all I wanted was like iridescent tonic suits and like really cool mod stuff. And, you know, his, his shop probably would have died if it stayed in that moment, but every step of the way he just stays in with like what the kids are into and you know if anyone's interested in opening up a vintage shop he gave me what i think is maybe the best piece of advice for how to have sustainability and running that business which is do not focus so much on having total jammers that are only hot for like a year build out things that are going to have a five to six year sort of cycle and really make that the core of your business. Like you could always appeal to those bleeding edge customers that want like the height. Like I, I noticed for this year, it's like those racing jackets, you know, all those like Eminem branded Eminem, the candies, not the yep. rapper, you know, <laughs> Eminem and like Goodyear branded racing jackets. Those seem to be like what a lot of the, the, the young folks are rocking. And that to me is like a very bleeding edge kind of look. Whereas in the kind of oversized leather jackets worn by a lot of um, females, those to me like are more of like a four or five year thing that's been happening for a while. So um, just again, in the spirit of free game, Sometimes just having a lot of medium burners is a great way to keep the business going rather than trying to focus on like this season's thing. So. Wow. That was perfect. Thanks. That was, um, that was great. I, I would be remiss to not mention that I would love to talk about minor genius and <laughs> share some game with your listeners about how they can unlock their minor genius. Let's do it.
everyone, it's Rashad, and this is Wear Many Hats presented by Justarm. You can check out all the episodes of the Wear Many Hats podcast on all platforms and at wearmanyhats.com. Rate and comment the Wear Many Hats show on Apple Podcasts and drop five stars on Spotify. WMH and Justarm is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Elliot Arno helps unlock their minor genius to create their lifestyles of their dreams, an executive producer based in New York City. Over the course of his career, he has worked with artists and brands, including The Fader, Mark Ronson, LFCD Sound System, GQ, and The Strokes as a magazine editor, fashion designer, music executive, A&R man, underground TV host, and creative director. Elliot runs the lifestyle newsletter, philosophy, and project-based blog called Minor Genius. I first met Elliot when he learned listened to our episode with Clayton Chambers of Spreza, and we met up at La Cabra and bonded over R5 Productions, Ink and Dagger, the fashion industry, the scene, and what's next to come. Elliot is a major genius, and we're all just trying to get by. When I read his newsletter, I feel at ease that I'm not alone in this cruel, creative, but fun world. Please welcome Elliot Arano to Wear Many Hats. Happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Elliot. It's good to have you here, and thanks again for listening and tuning into the podcast. That was really sweet of you to listen to Clayton's episode. How do you know Clayton again? Let's see. Well, uh, Clayton and I actually go back about 10 years. We didn't know this until we talked about potentially interviewing each other for our respective substacks, but... Um, I had a tie brand back in the day called Jacques Elliott and Clayton had received a couple of my ties because I was just trying to kind of send them out to some cool folks that I thought would enjoy them. And then halfway through our conversation, he was like, wait a second, Elliot, Aaron, he's like, you're the tie guy. And so we had this like really interesting, almost like timeline jump back to the peak hashtag menswear days. So that is where our story began. Oh my God. Blast from the past. You, when you had the tie, tie brand, you just, you sent him some ties or was he a tie guy? I think at the time was a tie guy, mm -hmm. or at least maybe he was tie curious. <laughs> At the time, I was trying to get the brand off the ground on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And so I was sending it out to some folks again, maybe saying, hey, hey, if you like it, would you mind sharing it with your audience, letting folks know? Um, and so he was um, one of a few folks that I had reached out to who I thought had cool taste and just was kind of the right energy for where the brand was at the time. You know, um, yeah. as you remember, that was a very kind of like, road splitting moment in menswear mm -hmm. where some people were kind of doubling down on traditionalism, you know, so the kind of like preppy suited booted look. Mm -hmm. And then other people were getting really into like the weird kind of asymmetrical um, black on black kind of vibe. And so I know that those folks were not necessarily going to be Thai customers. Yeah. And so, I, fo I focused on, you know, folks that I thought had a similar style and just would appreciate the the perspective of the brand. I think GQ wrote an article this year about ties coming back. Mm -hmm. Would you think that it is? I mean, we got like 
the dare rocking suits again. Who else? He's not rocking a tie. Well, Harrison's not rocking a tie, but I feel like it's coming back slowly, creepily back in. Well, you know, I, I think that we went through like a very schlub forward mm. point, even before the pandemic. I think menswear was just kind of slouching towards, mm -hmm. no pun intended, um, just like a, a less elegant, less tailored look. And now perhaps people are kind of correcting that. Just like the stock market, you know, the, the fashion landscape kind of corrects itself. So mm -hmm. as we've seen now for the past seven years, boxier, lower shoulders, longer sleeves, like everything just kind of having this, um, you know, oversized look to it. I think naturally things are now moving in the opposite direction. That's good. That's good to know. Yeah, because I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to be, I want to dress up again. Yeah. And, and also, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm five, six, about 130 pounds. So uh, I had to really sit out the entire oversized trend because it would look like I was borrowing my dad's clothes. Like all, <laughs> all of those fits were just so remarkably unattractive on me. And so I, I just said, okay, no, thank you, sir. Which I think when, when, when you get to be a um, maybe more evolved masculine clothing enthusiast, mm -hmm. it's fun to just say, nope. Not, not for me. Like I'm good. You know, like when, when all the Gorp stuff came, I was like, no, thank you, sir. Like I yeah. have no, this is not a lifestyle that I aspire to. Uh -huh. This is not when I play dress up in the morning, this is, I, I don't want to dress up um, like a hiker. <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> wake up in the morning and just feel like this is what I'm going to wear the cargo pants and everything like that and mocks looks great on some dudes you know again i i think that style is about being comfortable and about owning it right. and so i actually love the guys that are super trend forward on it with like the hyper cropped pants and the birkenstock i mean that's maybe i'm dating myself but you know that whatever that version is that's going on right now, I think it's dope. Like as long as they own it and you can feel that they're getting some sense of power off of that fit, mm -hmm. I think it's terrific, you know, but I think also at a certain point, you maybe get to know yourself and you know what your dreams are, you know what your aspirations are sartorially and you just say, eh, not for me. You know, like I've right. always wanted to dress like a kind of mixture of like Brian Ferry and like a downtown preppy dude from 1982. Um, <laughs> and, and within that very specific mood board, I can kind of incorporate some other things that are fun, mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't one day wake up and, and again, just say, well, I'm like a skater from 1990. I want to look like I ride for blind um, in blind. 1993 day. You know, that's just doesn't, doesn't happen in my world, but whatever, you know, I think as long as you're having fun with it and more importantly, you have a sense of power mm -hmm. 
then, you know, have a good time. Sense of power when you were wearing your, your clothes. That's true. That's true. You want to walk out of your door feeling like, okay, I'm going to own the day in some shape or form. I also mm -hmm. love that you brought up blind. So I feel like you are in touch with like a lot of brands. A lot of brands. I feel like you, that you, not just fashion, you know, you, you are like, it doesn't matter how old you are. I feel like as the years go by, you'll still be like wanting to know what's up. And like what's new like i i'm just feeling like that as of late because when i took an uber in philly my uber driver picked up this like gen z hip-hop star that played at like an arena and i had no idea who it was and i was like who is that and he was like my son like loves him so much. He's got over like millions of followers. I was like, I don't know who that is. And that started making me question like, oh, wow. I'm like, not, I'm like, I'm not saying that I'm like falling off by any means. I'm just like, oh, okay. Like that's kind of cool to know that like, I don't know when I thought that I knew some things, I don't know any, like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I think um, I'm sort of, happy now in my and i'm using air quotes here older head mm -hmm. period of my life mm -hmm. you know like um i entrust younger people and people that have a different relationship with the scene to to put me onto stuff right you know i just started a music recommendation column on my instagram called musical genius and i just decided like every tuesday i'm just going to feature some cool up and coming bands, MCs, producers, because, you know, I could be 43 and listen to my steady rotation of music for the rest of my life. But I think it's very important just in general to have intergenerational connections and relationships, mm -hmm. you know, like I've become a friendly with a lot of dudes that are in their fifties and sixties now, because I'm 43, and it's really interesting to be in their world and absorb some of their wisdom and then also go, you know, again, build with people that are maybe your age, maybe like, you know, even in their early 20s, because you just get out of your very rigid kind of thinking. And in this business, life, whatever you want to call it, you know, I think... <laughs> People are very, very, very overly protective of their opinions mm -hmm. because they see it as like tied to how they earn a living. You know, this kind of right. very crass, like this is hot, this is not. Mm -hmm. And I found in my life, I've become way happier when I actually get to soften all of that. Like I'm very open to other people's opinions and point of views. And I don't, I don't need mine to be the right one but i feel like for those that are maybe interested in my particular point of view then i'm there for those folks and anyone else that wants to come and be a minor genius but you know again i i don't like um this notion of like this not that or mm -hmm. like 
you can't be this kind of person. It's like, I don't know, man. It's very corny and life is short. <laughs> when you say soft in your opinion, oh my God, I just like, that's, I have now been like very open. So every time when like someone tells me they're, opinions or any type of story i'm just like open to like listening all the time mm -hmm. and and even me like if you want to hear something from me i'll share an idea or anything like that but there's like i don't think that there is anything any wrong ideas or anything like that if you're just trying to have a conversation out in the wild well you know i th think people people tend to weaponize opinion in this culture because social media is basically an opinion beauty pageant, mm -hmm. right? People are not necessarily big upped for how they treat each other mm -hmm. or for what projects they manifest. They're mostly big upped for their opinion, right? right? I mean, Twitter is like the number one opinion beauty pageant. Most podcasts are a different shade of the opinion beauty pageant. And so I understand, you know, people, um, they want to be spicy. They want to be provocative. Mm -hmm. All that is fun. You know, I mean, I, I think all that is terrific, but I've just found in my own life, um, I think it's more elegant and fun to be secure in your own opinions without really needing to make anyone else wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, like, Someone else's shitty taste in fashion doesn't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> right? No. It shouldn't. I love that with our conversations at La Cabra, I walked away feeling like I learned a lot, but also it was good to hear, you know, fashion. I'm not dating anyone. I'm just like that, like from different years in the past i mean when you brought up canal jeans what first came into my mind for some odd reason even though it was more in like 2010s era was uh how to make it in america we just don't talk about it anymore but there was a time where we all talked about it i love that show great show oh, so right? oh so well yeah because i hate la so entourage <laughs> did not resonate with me at all but i <laughs> I just thought it was, I thought it was so terrific. And so of the moment of like getting your shitty, like pre-Virgil streetwear brand off, you know, which was yeah. like, I mean, I mean, at least on the show, they didn't try to make it look easy. I mean, it was, it was, I would, I would argue even harder back then because that stuff was not yet mainstream or having crossed over, right. you know? I mean, the internet was going on, but that was where we learned a lot from that fictional show. Well, I, I, I had lived on like the Madison Avenue of New York City streetwear. Um, I lived on Rutgers Street in the Lower East Side from 2003 until 2012. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a brand called Rockers NYC oh, yeah. uh, that were amazing that were on the corner of, of uh, Hester and Essex. Uh, Aaron's store, a New York thing, was also on Hester Street. Frank's Chop Shop was there. So it really was like the kind of high street of all those underground streetwear brands. Mm -hmm. And so just from them being my neighbors, I got to know a few of those guys and and like check out, you know, what the what the fits were. 
I had a I had a fun, very brief kind of streetwear experimental phase, but I wouldn't say that it lasted for longer than maybe like twelve months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, a New York thing. Oh my god. I remember when I they opened up a another store and then they also carried like zines and and it was mm-hmm. on Allen Street. Yep. Oh, man, those were the days. We're not even old. That's like was, comes and goes. I think also, you know, back then, um, you kind of had to be in the streets to to be a face in the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't have any um, beef, <laughs> as it were, with um, the social media landscape, but I just think that for better or worse, you had to have your boots on the ground. You had to be out, you had to be known, you had to be meeting people, and you had to be putting something out that folks could respond to. Whereas in now, it's just a little bit different because everything is kind of mediated by these platforms. But I think part of what that energy was, was just the the tactility of, I mean, I was thinking about this today on my walk back from jujitsu. Jiu-jitsu? Love that. Uh, yeah. I recommend everyone uh, listening to go and take your first class at a jujitsu studio. See what you think. But um, I was just bugging out on the fact that there was a time not that long ago where you had to go home to check your email. Right. Right. Like when you walked around to go do stuff, mm-hmm. that's what you were doing. You were just doing stuff. And then you went home and you checked your email. Do you have those thoughts all the time when you when you're out and about walking? I usually do this like constantly of like um if I'm stuck inside all day and I'm just like working on my computer, I need to like go outside and like walk to another neighborhood mm-hmm. just to cl- like mm-hmm. not clear my mind but also to gather all these ideas and you walk mm-hmm. them back from jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm a big fan of contemplation. Mm-hmm. which for me kind of sits halfway between thinking and meditating. Mm-hmm. So when there's something that I'm looking to resolve or get clarity on, I will often just ask an open-ended question and then allow myself to walk down the street and see what happens. A lot of the stuff that winds up on the minor genius Substack is kind of created in this fashion where I will go and say, okay, I need to do a sartorial genius column for next week. What do I want to talk about? And then as I walk around, I'll just notice scarves and hats. And then I'll say, oh, accessories, right? So again, it's just this kind of way of rather than using this really uptight, like corporate, mechanical, stressful way of doing things, Mm -hmm. I like to give myself and the universe permission to like allow what needs to arise to arise. Um, as you might tell, I've been studying metaphysics pretty deeply for the past 12 years. So a lot of my methods while seemingly um, unsound um, have proven to be um, kind of successful for me and these other minor geniuses because you're not necessarily accessing the ego you're accessing the greater intelligence that exists all around you. Oof. 
yeah because i was trying to figure out how you generate these ideas to create all this amazing content for minor genius and you know when i'm on the sub stack my favorite so far within a bunch of articles the professional genius why you need to invest in your own ip part one of many i can't wait for the next parts i read that post countless of times i can't wait for the next one well thank you um in the in the spirit of free game i would like to talk a little bit about why i'm so bullish on people making their own ip and I think that, you know, when you come up in a corporatized creative environment, you know, an agency or a brand, they have a very specific way that they want things done. And the more corporate you get, of course, the less creative the work actually is, mm -hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, advertising agencies, they don't want auteurs, right? They want right. employees because- the more that you're an auteur and a singular voice, the more leverage you have to negotiate a better salary and to kind of show the company that you are worth a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want that. They want someone where if you're too old or too expensive, they can just reduce you and bring on the next person seven years younger. So the reason that I think it's very important to develop your own IP is A, Pulling out something that only you can make, I think just creates a beautiful world, right? That's right. why I like your podcast, which is all about big upping the people who are doing their own thing, right? It's not sanctioned by their job. They're doing it because they want to. Mm -hmm. And I think that what you learn about yourself when you have to take an idea, execute it, share it and then iterate on it is a really cool journey. You know, you're going to come up against all of your shadows, all of your self-limiting beliefs. And so in manifesting your own IP, not only do you prove to yourself that you're capable of creating stuff, but then you can go and parlay that into a bunch of cool opportunities because you have something that only you made. You know, like totally. when you work at an agency, there's usually 20 people involved in a project. And so it's very hard for you to say, I personally did this. Mm -hmm. It's more like we made this. Right. And that's cool. You know, I think it's, it's, it's nice to have team efforts, but it's very difficult to parlay that into future success because they don't really know what you did or didn't do. Right. Versus. When you have your own podcast, your own magazine, your own Substack, your own record, your own store, your own t-shirt brand, you say, this is me. Like, or do you want to come and do you like this world that I'm inviting you into? And then from there, you know, you can get some convos going. Elliot, light bulbs just like went off in my head. Every time I talk to you, I swear. And it's only been like twice. Uh, you just brought it back for me. Like, when I first started off the SAR or wearing many hats, I always incorporated the word we. And I'd just be like, we did this, we did that. And all of my friends or guests or clients or whoever, strangers out in the world, 
they would go, who's we? Because it always seems like it's just you. And I always just felt like, oh, I just feel like I would wanted to, like, I wanted to incorporate a team. But it's, it honestly, I think it was because I grew up just not wanting to say I. And I always just felt like I was always too, like, self-centered or just, like, too egocentric. And I was just, like, taught maybe to be, like, no, you should just share, right? But honestly, owning it was just never the key. But now it, the tables have turned. And it's now I caught myself saying that, with all the collaborative posts that I've been doing with a bunch of guests or when I go out taking content for the podcast, people that I talk to, now I say like, I talk to, and now I've just gotten out of that comfort zone. So that's perfect. You brought it out. Well, I think that creative constipation, uh -huh. right? this kind of sensation that you feel in your body in your soul when you want to make something but you do not get it out of you i think that energy inside becomes very stale and heavy and sick mm -hmm. and at least for me my less than ideal moments were all happening when i was creatively constipated uh -huh. right when i wanted to make something but it's like this is stupid or no one's gonna like this or you don't have the money to make this and like i believe that all of us have divine inspiration especially when it comes to our creative projects our ip and a lower part of ourselves might try to convince us that like the world is stacked against us mm -hmm. and we shouldn't do it uh -huh. but i think that once you tell that part of you to like stfu uh -huh. you realize like there's all this energy available to create stuff you know um i went to a zine launch last night for the zine called hank's americana it's dope uh it's it's in its third issue and it's um i would say like an unconventional take on a style zine so all the photo shoots are like arranged it's not like street style where you're just getting people out in the wild, but it just has this like looseness to it. And I went to the party and there are all these folks just vibing and there's outfits and these people were happy that they made the magazine and they were set. It just, it just shows you like what's possible when you get out of your own way and you actually get the thing over the finish line. Yes. Right. And that's really the whole idea behind this minor genius community is the more of us that are putting out our weird idiosyncratic stuff that only we can make. I think that is a better world. I think that is a world that is less gatekeepy. Mm -hmm. I think that's people proving to themselves that they're capable. And I think in a time of like AI and just, corny everything looks the same vibes i love this idea that you're just going to make this super strange thing yeah. that comes from your weirdo reference points yeah and your sort of strange version of what you think this thing should be i think that's beautiful 
you know? Me too. Me too. I love that we're also still going to zine fairs and zine shops and, you know, friend and guest of the show, Ali opening up friend editions and just throwing events there, bringing his community out and anyone can come. It's, it's just like happy to see that like zines will still thrive. I mean, I'm, you know, when we met up and we did a little gift exchange and you gifted me a zine, I, in the Meyer Genius packaging, I lit up because I collect all that and I love it. And I, I love referencing it. Um, I also love that we both shared the same idea of like, just like first sight exchanging gifts, like not like white elephant style, but it's just like, you know, welcome to my world. Yeah, I, I, I thought it um, really spoke to your character. You know, I, I also am just, I think like anyone in, in this creative community, you know, over time you become very sensitive to people who are takers and people who are givers. Mm. And I think a lot of the time at the, the lowest sort of vibrational level of like scarcity and transaction, people can be like real taker-ish, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and so noticing in myself that I had historically demonstrated those behaviors at times, I try now to really be a giver, mm -hmm. right? And so if I can show up with like a pastry or a zine or just something to offer value. I think it's just a nice way to make your way through the world. And I, I love the fact that you also, you came strapped with goodies. You gave me two different hats, a bag, which I used to um, take my gi to jujitsu this morning. So it's already getting demonstrated on the streets. So good. Yeah. I love that you, you said that. Yeah. About, I mean, not projecting, but by any means, but I remember when I'm, I'm from Philly. I remember when I used to go all the bars and Philly is a small place. So you would know everyone, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I hate the term, you know, micro celeb or anything, or like a local celeb or anything like that. But people, you would just become friends with everyone there. Right. And so all the bars, it's just like, so and all the coffee shops, you just knew everyone. And then they would just always hook it up left and right. And I'm like, how could I repay you? I mean, like, I want to pay, obviously, but like, I don't, obviously tip great, but no, I want to give back even more. So like, I think that also what's taught me to be like, oh, I want to make all this stuff and like give like give back to my community, the Wear Ready Hats community or whatever community I start to create. Also, I have another question for you. What's mm -hmm. your take on the past five years of like people oversaturate using up the word community? Hmm. I, I know that people mean it in a genuine way, but it's just kind of interesting to hear it non-stop in a way where it's like you know it goes through the airwaves of like the corporate using it too i understand small businesses using it i'm mm -hmm. air quotes building their community mm -hmm. no shade 
I'm not tired of it, but it feels like a new term of like saying universe, you know? It can be said very easily. It can be achieved not so easily. And so I, again, like I, I think back to last night at that Hanks Americana event, one of the minor genius community members, a guy named Zach Seeley, he puts out a ski magazine called Hard Pack. And he also had a event and it was a legit community. I mean, people that were like ski nerds and design heads, they all came to buy a magazine and wear a cute outfit and celebrate. And so, you know, again, all this buzzwordy stuff um, is fine. I think what you and I experience on the ground is ultimately what matters mm-hmm. and where one's energy is perhaps better focused, you know? True. True. Buzzwordy. I wonder what the next buzzword would be. It's what what Gen yeah. Z would come up with or I don't know. I mean I, I don't um I don't really work in the agency space and I don't I don't do that kind of thing for a living. And so I'm a little bit sheltered in that way from kind of buzzword or social media trends. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like in order to do my best work and to best serve the the people in my world, I wanted to kind of double down on my own idiosyncratic universe uh-huh. um, as opposed to trying to like figure out like, well, how does this fit into uh, web three or, you know, just to use that as a, as a recent <laughs> example. <laughs> I, you know, when I'm scrolling through the sub stack, I, I just want to start from the beginning and, and work my way back up to the top, even though I just chose a specific article that suited me on the minor genius site. I'm actually going to go all the way back to the beginning and, and just like, that's going to be my, my assignment. You know, it's weird because I really thought that Substack would die by now or some type of like, his newsletters are so big right now. Right. Or like email newsletters are like back, but I don't know, just learning about minor genius, how it just like came into my life. I'm going to like actually start from the beginning and go, whereas like a podcast, I don't really want people to start from the first 10 episodes of like the Wear Many Hat show because it's rough. It's I'm still mm-hmm. trying. I was like trying to figure out the kinks. I'm just trying to figure sure. out my voice. Um, people always ask me like, where should I start? And I'm like, start from the recent episode and then work your way down. Well, it's it's important on that tip to mention that, you know, I had done a newsletter via MailChimp for like four years before the Substack was launched. So using air quotes, first post that you're going to read was already four or five years into a pretty rigorous process of writing every week about the intersection of self-development and creativity. So just to just to be totally transparent in my process, that was by no means like me sitting down one day and being like, I'm going to write this. I mean, that was <laughs> that was the end of a, 
a lot of refinement and I mean, literally hundreds of newsletters previous to that. Yeah. I don't have a chip on my shoulder, even though I'm saying that it doesn't mean like I really do. I feel that whatever is new and whatever is hot, people want to go to, you know, I, there is a artist, Eric Elms, he's a great artist, but I tend to find out that he really just goes whatever the next thing is, honestly. And he made zines. He's like, he's a great artist. He has a, he had a streetwear brand called powers. It's like no longer here. And then now it's like made a creative agency. And me and you were, when I just brought up, you know, creative agencies are dead or something like that. And so it's, he, he makes this. And then after that, he makes like the newsletter it, and it's all happening all at once. It's all happening new. I just think that whatever the new next hot thing is, people just tend to, to follow like, podcasting it for me it just stems from radio and i love interviews that's like my favorite thing like like just reading people's interviews or anything like that i i don't i really hope podcasting just doesn't die but do you think that like everyone just wants to be on like the next hot tip no i think that everyone desires to be perceived as a powerful creator I think that if you, I mean, I've spent thousands of hours sitting across from many, many, many men to quote, to quote 50 cent, hearing about what <laughs> they most desire in this world. And pretty much everything comes down to, I would like to do my art and have a community around me that supports me and knows that I exist. And for some people that means an audience of 20. And for some people that means an audience of millions, but I, I, I tend not to get cynical about people jumping on this or jumping on that. Again, I, I went through a very long, like spiritual awakening for 10 years in which I kind of like almost died and like, wow. just was out of this. I don't mean like physically, I just mean like, <laughs> just whatever version of me that was like a, a downtown cool guy yeah like he he was just incinerated by this unit of time in my life and so in terms of like the cloud chasing or what's cool or again i i, I just think that um maybe for best i i don't really interact with a lot of folks that um speak or think in those terms it's more like these guys that are like yo i really want to make this how do i do it right you know it's just a different it's a little bit of a different energy i think maybe a little bit less inside baseball because like within the scene people talk about scene stuff and um i i'm kind of i guess in my own way just almost uh person by person building out this minor genius thing, which yeah. is a different, um, perhaps like energetic or just gravitational pull around it. I hope that wasn't a weird answer to your question. No, <laughs> no, 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 not weird at all. Only the part when I thought that you almost died and have a, had a revelation, but. Not well, I, I mean, I, I did almost, I mean, I did almost die in terms of, um, 
financially and creatively and in my marriage, uh, there were many points at which I did not feel certain that I was going to survive. Right. And I felt that um, any kind of status that I had accumulated previously uh -huh. was no longer available to me. Um, and so in that sense, uh, I had died. I mean, I believe that all of us die many, many times within our, our life, wow. you know, um, you're fortunate when you get to choose, oh, hey, I'm letting this part of me complete so that I can give birth to this. Yeah. But in the beginning, you're not the one doing the choosing. You're you're having it occur via some outside influences, right? Outside occurrences. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I never really thought about that. But I have seen many, many, many men die like that. Yeah, well, I, I I believe that in order to receive something of a higher nature, you mm. must surrender something of a lower nature. And so often the things that we have been conditioned to put a lot of emphasis on, like our clout, our bank account, how cool our brand is, how many people listen to us, all that, you sometimes need to surrender that in order to be able to build the next thing. You know, uh, we joked about this when we met up for coffee, but, you know, I, I went from being a co-founder and a creative director of a notable music website to being like an intern at Capsule, uh -huh. you know, because I wanted to learn how to sell more ties. And so I had to surrender my status in the I... music industry in order to get going in the fashion business. I know. And, and I had to like wrap my head around that because... People don't hear that, you know, people don't, there's no one that's telling them that they can do that. And that's like, okay. I've had a lot of creative ventures in my career that I put my own money into developing, Right. you know, I had a TV show, a tie company. I had a bag company, which was just incinerated cash. I had a creative agency. I went through a lot of different iterations to sort of be where I am currently. And so I think to the person out there, I just want to give you person listening total permission to, to walk away from something. If it's not what you really know that you want to do, right. You know, I think like some cost can be a real blocker because people are like, Oh, well, I already spent years developing this. And another like small detail, which is difficult is like, when you're in this life plateaus, they occur for like a really long time. I do. You know what I mean? Like, like when you're building out the pod, there might be two years in which you have like very minimal growth. And then it could be in that third year, you know, that it takes off. Like, um, there's this cat named Sean Ronaldo who does a great substack about electronic music. And um, he said that basically he's doubled his subscriber base just in the last year, but it took him four years to go from like a hundred to like however many thousand. And so again, it's a real delicate balance of, of like 
you know, do I want to stick with it and see where it goes? Or does my higher self want me to be going on a different path? You know, and I, I felt that tension really strong when I was kind of exiting the music business because fashion just had so much energy for me. Yeah. You know, and like writing about fashion and, and just being in that world just had a lot more oomph to it than music. Right. And so, you know, I kind of just jumped off the cliff and was like, all right, like, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to try making ties and like, see what happens. <laughs> and with musical genius, do you feel like you went back? Do you, is it, or is it something new? Okay, cool. Yeah, no, it it is kind of a going back, you know, I mean, um, I just have always been gassed on person-to-person <laughs> -person recommendations. It's the best. You know? like, it's the like best. I, at least for me, I, I have found no better engine of getting put on to things than like one of my minor geniuses is also like a huge men's fashion head. And I literally just texted him being like, I am looking for a very specific pair of chinos that is high rise yet not baggy. Do you know anyone who makes pants like this? Right. And it's like in the, on the musical genius tip, I just uh, hit up one of my homies, Matt Molnar, who's a sort of legend in like the underground music scene in Brooklyn. And I said, are you working with any cool bands that are sort of guitar centric? And he goes, Oh yeah. I've been working with this band called High. Check them out. And I heard and I was like, oh, this is dope. Let me go and like represent for these folks. That's so, so sick. Yeah, I'm I'm like anti-algorithm, uh, right. except for when it serves me up like Hank's Americana. And I'm like, oh my God, a style zine in New York. Like amazing. I have to find out about it. <laughs> the algorithm found showed that yeah, up. Well, well, you know, I, I, um, this is a little bit metaphysical, but I think, you know, where we've been talking for a while, so we can go here. I think that a lot of us can feel kind of victimized by the internet. And so I really go out of my way to have a super intentional relationship with the internet right. and specifically saying before I post something, let the folks who are ready for this receive it uh -huh. and let me find the people that are doing dope stuff so that I can like celebrate their minor genius, you know? And so through that, I've just through like stuff in my friends' feeds or just like folks that are kind of like connectors like you, I'm finding like all this dope new stuff. And so to me, it just has a way different energy than like the, I hate the internet. This is a horrible place with bullies and clout chasing and garbage like it can be that but i would offer that it also could be a really fun way to have like amazing pen pals very true there are positives right i mean you and i started out as pen pals right like it it graduated to a real life um friendship but it just started out as like dms and followbacks which right. It's kind of like the social media version of pen pals. That is, that is, that's how people meet a lot of people. And like, I, as much as I want to like get off 
of social media and like any type of like app that's gonna waste my time i kind of need it because i travel a lot i mean it's like the only way people communicate these days they they don't want to yeah. text they don't want to you know call well, again i i think with a lot of things in in life the work of of an artist a creator a person on a on a spiritual path is ultimately to take things that were previously like unconscious or reactive yeah bring them into light and then decide how they want to engage with them right and i think that most of social media is a very reactive like i'm gonna get you right. sort of energy and it can be hectic and sort of soul crushing mm -hmm. but i find that when you kind of slow down and just open again as we talked about before like contemplation just say show me what's dope today right and like it's amazing what shows up like i find all these cool furniture brands and people with vintage stores and cats like you, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I can only speak to what's worked for me, but the more that you can get out of like unconscious reactivity and more into a place of like, what sort of relationship do I want to have with this particular facet of culture? Mm -hmm. I think it just, it becomes a lot more fun. Like I'm, I'm getting really gassed on the internet these days. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And we, we need it. We need it. But hats off to you and everything that you do for some Jassar Wear Many Hat Solutions. I hope to somehow get on the minor genius tip and you could ask me some questions. I really, I've been loving a lot of interview based content as of late. I don't know. Like, why, when I saw Jenny Beth's show, Jenny Beth from Savages, she featured mm -hmm. Sextile, this LA, previously New York-based band that I'm obsessed with right now. I just like loved people interviewing people, just like talking and chatting and then like have what they do in the back. Like when you had your show, your show was like at Santa's party house and you brought that back. Mm -hmm. I mean, yo. I can't wait to dive back in and see what you talked about. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of interview based shows, so I can't wait until you, I don't know. I don't want to say feature, but like ask me some questions. What are some of the questions you would ask? I believe that you're a minor genius because you're investing and in creating your own IP and you're putting your own money and your own reputation to, advance what you want to see more of in the culture. And so in our conversation, which we will have, I would A, just hear about your vision that you have for yourself. And then B, I'm always curious to hear about what internal or external obstacles they had to overcome in order to get their project over the finish line. Because I know there's a lot of folks out there, a lot of creative constipated folks that are sitting on the couch right now being like, man, I want to start a podcast. I want to make a zine. I want to like make some stickers and do some, you know, weed pasting, whatever it is. And so the more that you hear that it's possible, 
the more you can say to yourself, well, yeah, I can, I can be that too. You know, there's a reason that the minor is in minor genius because we think of geniuses as unapproachable, like Bob Dylan, mm -hmm. you know, Picasso level cats. Whereas in, I think a minor genius is someone who is like pretty relatable and like down to earth. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think it's really impressive to be on the lowest rung of a really cool ladder. Me too. Me too. I feel seen. <laughs> Good. Well, um, let me end with this. This is just logistical stuff, but if anyone wants to check out the Substack, it's minorgenius.substack.com. The Instagram is minorgenius.xyz. And I do work with folks one-on-one -on -one to develop their projects and unlock their minor genius. And so if you're interested, you can just go to minorgenius.xyz. But it was a real pleasure. I mean, a, a wild ride through metaphysics, men's fashion, clout chasing, um, the whole nine IP tip, you know, I, I definitely appreciate you holding space for such a wide array of topics. And once again, man, just want to congratulate you on like having made it this far. It's like no small feat to do a hundred versions of anything, you know, that's true. That's true. I don't know if, how far this will go. I don't know what the following account will make me start like crashing and being like, okay, I got to take a break from this, but I just know that I love doing it. So, and I love that to see that you're doing minor genius. It's, it's honestly brilliant, but I, when, how we end off, I like to ask, um, where is a place you like to go to hang your hat? Oh, great question. Yeah. Um, my favorite place to hang my hat is a restaurant in Williamsburg called Sweetwater that my wife and I have been going to ever since we started dating. It's kind of like our local, you know, we know everyone that works there. The food is always amazing and consistent. And I just have this sense of feeling very taken care of when I'm in that space. So I would say outside of my living room, that would probably be the place that I would go and hang my hat, get like a nice steak frites Oof. and uh, dunk some sourdough in uh, olive oil. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty happy dude. <laughs> so good. Elliot, if you were to get a chest tattoo quote, what would it be? Evolve. I love that. Evolve. You know what's a good one is you said what would, what would the neck tattoo be? That's like the real. Oh yeah, that's the real deal. I think I would just get a shark. <laughs> but <laughs> evolve makes sense, especially with everything that we've covered today. Well, I, I think ultimately, you know, we we are here to evolve. Yeah. I think that even the things in our life that we don't enjoy at the time are always in service of growth and learning. And so when you just understand that you're evolving, you kind of tend to take things a little less personally. Yes. And you also understand that it's like, it's just one path of the evolution. 
You know, like whatever you're doing now, you're going to refine this to another level of like, bam, you know, <laughs> just within a year, you'll, you will have evolved. I will. And so will you, uh, Elliot, plug your socials. Where can people find you? Uh, once again, you could hit mm -hmm. me up on Instagram at minorgenius.xyz. The Substack is sub <laughs> is no. The Substack is minorgenius.substack.com. Uh -huh. And uh, if you're interested in potentially doing some one-on-one -on -one work with me and helping to unlock your minor genius, that is also minorgenius.xyz. So. Reach out, DM me, let me know what projects you're working on. Um, I'm very, very available and accessible. And uh, what a pleasure, man. Thank you so much, Elliot, for coming on Wear Many Hats. Yeah, it was great to have you. This was such a pleasure. Awesome. Well, peace and love. And thank you again for the hats. They're terrific. Of course. Till next time, this is Wear Many Hats presented by Dasar. And I'm Rashad. Peace. Peace.